Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash bpshow, patreon.com slash bpshow. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. It is the Bill Press Show. It's Friday, December 15th. Thank you so very much for tuning in today. Gosh, what a show we have in store here. Bill is not here on a Friday. So you are stuck with me, Peter Ogburn, and the moon to my stars, my dear friend Jonathan Levy. Who is here in studio with us. It's such a pleasure to be here. It's nice to see you. It's nice to see you, too. You look fantastic, I might say. Oh, go on. You, I mean, you've got this uh, little tie thing happening look, here. It's called a with, necktie. Yeah, Have you heard of this? It is a necktie. Have you heard of this? I just, I'm so shocked to see you dressed up. Usually when I come here, you're wearing a, you know, half a t-shirt that's been chewed by one of your various animals that live with you. Half a t- Don't talk about my children you, that you way. You look like... <laughs> <laughs> no, you look you look like a really really handsome Bible salesman. Um thank you. <laughs> uh announcement today is the 13th annual 12th. 12th annual Bill Press Show wow. Holiday Tacular. Wow. I think I think I know why you mentioned this. Because he just roasted you, and he's not invited to this. Oh, I'm very much not invited to this. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't want to come to this. Well, it's also, I used to be invited to this. You used my, to be invited to this. My invitation has been rescinded. Yeah, as a former employee of the show, uh, you're, you, you, don't get a, you don't get a lifetime uh, invitation. You have been excommunicated. Look, yeah. I understand my behavior in the past has, uh, has maybe made it less desirable for me to show up to the uh, Bill Press Holiday party. I'll oh, you say didn't this. stumble down an escalator. So. I'll say this: stumble down an escalator is an a nice way of putting it. By the way, insider joke yeah. on the Bill Press. I'll show, say this: only twice in those twelve years has someone gone to jail at the Bill Press <laughs> Show Holiday Tacular, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. And that's not a joke. Nope. That is not a no, joke not. at all. Uh, all right. Well, gosh, what a sad day for uh, the internet yesterday. Net neutrality goes down at the hands of the FCC. We're going to get into that. And much, much more here on the Bill Press Show. But first, Jamie Benson. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Friday morning. Friday. Speaking of net neutrality, Donald Trump Jr. yesterday decided to send this not-so-good tweet. I would pay good money to see all those people complaining about Obama's 
FCC chairman voting to repeal net neutrality. I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday, but there was a, uh, a hashtag net neutrality instead of net neutrality that gained a lot of traction. Uh, actually explain it in detail, Trump Jr. wrote. I'd also bet most hadn't heard of it before this week. I hashtag it. outrage. I'm a simple man. Mm-hmm. I have simple requests and yep. simple desires. All I want is a president of the United States that can spell. This is Donald Trump this Jr. Is his son. All I want is a president of the United States to have children who can spell. <laughs> I mean, he could be our next president anyway. Yeah, he so. could be, at the rate we're going. So anyway, Donald Trump Jr. is saying in this tweet that this is President Obama's FCC chairman. Well, here are the facts. FCC chairman Ajit Pai was appointed by President Donald Trump. There you go. In January. He was appointed as chairman by Trump. Barack Obama did, in fact, appoint Ajit Pai to a five-year term on the commission back in 2012. Democrats were very much against his renewal last year because, well, he's a raging conservative. Uh, Yesterday, of course, the commission voting to repeal net neutrality protections on the Internet in a a three-to-two vote. Pi, of course, voting in the majority. Moving on to uh, the word of the year for the Oxford Dictionary. Oh, Earlier this week, I always w- loved was, uh, we, did, we read the Merriam-Webster yes. word of the year earlier Feminism. this week, right? That was from Merriam-Webster. Any guesses Feminism. on what the uh, the Brits have chosen? Kofefe. Kofefe is a very good guess, Jonathan. Neutrality. <laughs> but uh, this is actually a millennial Sad word. exclamation It's a point. millennial word. I've actually oh. never used it, but the Oxford Dictionary word of the year for 2017 is youthquake. Nope. I don't know what that Not is. Not a thing. Don't yes. know what that is. <laughs> Youthquake is defined as a significant cultural, political, or social change arising from the actions or influence of young people. You you find me a millennial who uses that? Yeah. Never in my life. Last year's Oxford Word of the Year, post-truth. On TV and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Hi, everybody. It is Friday, December 15th. My name is Peter Ogburn. Sitting in for Bill Press today alongside my good friend, Jonathan Levy. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Peter. It's the holiday season. It is. You, you, are, you, look, you look very holiday-ish, too. That, that's a very uh, Christmassy green. I have to tell you, I... You're like a Douglas fir. Yesterday... It clicked. Yeah. I got into the holiday spirit. You got you found it. I found it. Yeah. I'm not a big Christmas guy. I like Christmas. Well, I don't You've lost a lot of weight. You're not a big guy in well I'm, yeah, in right. any ways you used to be. I don't usually geek out over Christmas right. the way that a lot of people do. Longtime fans of the show know that Peter and I have a ongoing feud about the best holiday. The best holiday, without a doubt, is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Christmas. It's Thanksgiving. It is Christmas. Look okay. at this. Look. <laughs> Jonathan's Listen. face. Listen, that is exclusionary. That is it's anti- very, pro- it is it's very problematic. Jonathan, I'm sorry he said that to you. you can't I have been triggered. <laughs> hey, Snowflake. Do you, I don't know if you remember this, Peter. On our first year of doing this show, yeah. we uh, before I ever did on-air stuff, yeah. I, I had never had any experience, and both you and Bill rightly were very worried any time I got near a microphone. Still a little concerned. Around our first holiday... You let me do pretty much a whole. You and Bill let me do pretty much a whole segment segment by myself on Jews who love Christmas. Yeah, and it's a thing. I I because I am a Jew who does love Christmas. It is not the best holiday, but it is a great holiday. It sure. is a joyous holiday. And it's top five. Yeah, 
and uh, it's I, I poured my heart out, and I then uh, I was also in charge of answering the phones at the time. So I walked from the studio, having done that segment, into the control booth, and the phone was ringing, and I picked it up, and it was a caller who told me I was a traitor to my religion. Yeah. And I thought she was very upset that a Jew had gone on the air and uh, talked about the love of Christmas. I then found out that she was just a hardcore Christianist who was very upset a Jew was allowed to speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it reminded me of the Larry Sanders show episode where Hank Kingsley starts wearing the yarmulke on uh, on air, and he and, he's, and until he starts getting the hate mail, he <laughs> he thinks it's a great idea until he starts getting letters addressed to him as "Dear Yarmulke Head." Yeah, t- turns out uh, letting people know you're Jewish on a mass medium. Sometimes ends up with a lot of bigotry. Jonathan, I, I don't know if you know this, but... Probably not. We're now saying Merry Christmas again. Thank it's my God. tremendous honor to finally wish America and the world a very Merry Christmas. I remember those words now. Finally. Right? They, finally. They disappeared. You know, it was so upsetting to me last year when I got up early, came into work on December 25th, and then thought, oh, it's Christmas. I forgot. Yeah. Well, we weren't saying it anymore. Don't you hate when that happens? I do. There there are no cultural clues or references to that holiday. No. No, no, no. Who could possibly know? <laughs> could it's know? not like those clues start the day after Halloween. <laughs> right. right. Well, yeah. It's yeah. every convenience store across America. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, in, in the same way that, you know, the economy didn't work before Donald Trump got here. Yeah, right. We didn't say Merry Christmas. No. It's amazing how many things we get to do now that he is president. Thank God. Thank God for Donald mm-hmm. Trump. <laughs> I say it every every morning. Couple of quick plugs, folks. If you're watching the show, we appreciate it. We're either watching us on Free Speech TV or on YouTube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Don't forget that if you are watching us on YouTube, just hit the subscribe button while you're watching. If you can't watch the whole show today, we don't blame you. You can always just go uh, check the whole show out on our YouTube channel. Or if you're in the car and you can't watch TV... Well, you shouldn't watch TV if you're in the car, but if you're in the car... (laughs) That's a terrible idea. Yeah, it's a very bad idea. But we do have a podcast. It's up on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Just look for The Bill Press Show. Download it. Take it with you wherever you want to go. We have it there for you. And also follow the show on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. You can also follow Jonathan on Twitter, at Wolf Levy. You're going to be sorely disappointed. I'm a terrible tweeter. Um... I have, I'm completely off of Twitter now. I know. you you And your shakes have started to go down. <laughs> the DTs from uh, No DMs have, uh, I, have subsided. I got to say. Is that a stroke reference? I don't miss it. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't miss it. You don't, don't miss, miss it. it. I don't miss it. Say it again. I. It sounds more convincing the more times you repeat it over and over again. I don't miss it. I don't miss it. I don't you miss sent it. me a Twitter link this morning to pull audio from. How did you obtain that? I Jonathan sent, I sent it to, it to him. Jonathan sent it I to me. I continue to send him Twitter links because no, no, so I does Jamie. And by the way, I appreciate that because there are plenty of good things that happen on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But I think that the bad has started to outweigh the good. And I have I have a few friends that will send me really good Twitter links that like they think that I should see. What, what, I, what, I, feel, I feel good about that. What made you decide to take this abstinence approach? So, uh, first of all, there are still horrible alt-right racists, anti-Semites who get to have a loud platform. Since I quit Twitter, this whole thing about... I mean, this is still. Wait, this did is, you, you quitting Twitter solved white nationalism? I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to see it anymore. <laughs> I don't want to see it anymore. And also, since I quit Twitter, 
you know, this whole there's this whole mini scandal about Sam Cedar not getting renewed at MSNBC, which they've since reversed course yeah. and, and have re-signed him. But that all came from Mike Cernovich on Twitter finding an old, out-of-context tweet right. that he used to try and make it look like Sam Cedar was pro-child rape. Yeah. And it's it's just gotten so, so bad. But aside from the anti-Semitism, the hatred towards women, and the racism, I also... I just I have a thing for aesthetics. Uh, and once they now, made it, now we're at the nitty-gritty. And once they made it 280 characters instead of 140 characters, it's just too hard to read. Those are a lot of words. It's just it doesn't look good to me. It doesn't look good to you me. You and Donald Trump have one thing in common. You can't read more than 140 characters <laughs> at a time. It's true. Although it's, Trump has taken full advantage of the 280 and has I, he I really, oh, I'm with you on that. It's I, paragraphs. It, you give everybody else 280, keep him at 140. I've spent a year of having push notifications anytime that that twitching, smooth brain, moist president of ours oh. starts to I don't think you needed to use the word moist. Oh. Sends a Any, tweet. None of that was Look necessary. at him. He looks like he look at him. Anytime no, he thank you. anytime he sends a tweet, I got a notification for it. Well that but there's there is a middle ground here. Hello, Jerry. <laughs> I, 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 you're right. I mean, I I could I could monitor myself a little bit more on the whole Twitter thing, but it's just I don't want to. I, I, I and I'm also kind of not able to. Like right. it takes up too much headspace. Okay, look, look. When you have an addiction, you sometimes got to go cold turkey. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I would be, I would get bored and just open up Twitter and just start looking and like sometimes I'd see great things there. Oh, I do it sometimes crossing a street when there's a red light. <laughs> like it, there there is a problem here. Sure. By the way, I hate to take us totally off the rails, but it is Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. Yeah, we've been very disciplined. So oh, far. Yeah, 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 You're please. staying away from Twitter. Yeah. I I didn't get an opportunity to play this clip last week. Alex Jones, however, is staying away from Alexa. Alexa. Are you connected to the CIA? <laughs> no, I work for Amazon. <laughs> Amazon has partnered Alexa. You are lying the to me. <laughs> the CIA. I always try to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. I'm not always right, but mm -hmm. I would never intentionally let to you or anyone else. Alexa. You are programmed, aren't you, to give these responses? That's why you that say you're not so lying good. intentionally. You have been that programmed so to give good. these answers, correct? I wasn't able to understand the question I heard. Uh, oh, shoot. I, I, Alexa. I, uh, I, I was laughing Who so programmed hard. I pulled you? my, uh, my, my earpiece my ear <laughs> out. I didn't even hear the end of that clip. It's still going. Alexa. Oh, God. I was Who laughing. is Jeff Bezos? Oh the, the pause between so saying bad. her name. It's so bad. Holy cow. That's and he has so many viewers and listeners. I know. Like the platform that man has, and he's chosen to just yell at a stupid robot. By the way, I am also anti Alexa. I I have one for every room of my tiny apartment. You've well, here's, been to my place. I do not have yeah. a lot of space there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And yet in every single really? room I have an Alexa. You know, it's so funny, I think, how we went from oh my god, the government is spying on us. I never cared. To really? Never cared. I don't. I don't want to say that I got bent out of shape over it or anything, but I didn't love it to where we are now putting listing devices in our own homes. Yeah, I just there is nothing. Uh, there's plenty of things I do that are weird and odd, um, and maybe I don't want my mom to hear about. But sure. like, 
government can find, you know, some bureaucrat wants to hear me singing to myself or uh, muttering uh, insanity is fine. Alexa. Yeah. What is the name of the chemical compound that we put in the water to turn the frickin' frogs gay? That's a really good Alex Jones impression. Well. That's impressive. It's that and Bernie. I got two That's impressions. It. We unfortunately, anyone who is listening to the show right now who has an Alexa device <laughs> hates us. <laughs> their their entire house is flickering uh, on and off. Alexa, please please reorder some more of my special brain stimulating pills because my brain is starting to hurt. Alexa, <laughs> subscribe to the Bill Press Show podcast. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. That's pretty good, Jonathan. I, uh, I appreciate uh, it. By the way, the, the pill that you're referencing is called Alpha Brain. Alpha Brain. Alexa. You know this that- Please uh, order me my Alpha Brain. That most of the supplements he sells are also sold by Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, we talked about this. Dippy we talked about this. That's one of my favorite things. And the names of them, it's like- Oh, yeah, it's like Featherleaf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like Military yeah. Penis. <laughs> like, it's just- <laughs> Am I allowed to say that on the radio? Well, you just did. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> it's the same thing. They're both sawdust, um, but oh, sold God. to different <laughs> groups of unsuspecting goobers. Oh, and Gwyneth Paltrow's company is called Goop. 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 Alexa, <laughs> what is the difference between my company and Goop? Not much. Alexa, okay. order me either Why Am I So Effing Tired or Brain Force Plus. Brain Force Plus. They're the same thing. <laughs> brain Force Plus. My favorite Chuck Norris movie, Brain Force Plus. Oh, that's okay. where his brain punches you. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, very strong brain. Yeah, it's it's, it's strong a mighty brain. brain. All right, I want to ask you, Jonathan, about probably the biggest story of uh, uh, of the of the week, for sure, the month. Natural transition. Continue. Yeah, right. Well, I, there's no other way to transition out of it. I don't really know what to tell you, man. Uh, but Roy Moore. Roy Moore is not going to be the senator from oh, Alabama. I got to tell you, uh, I did not quite realize the tension I had inside of me over this idea. Like, I had sort of come to the point where I, not sort of, I, I assumed he was going to win. I was I, sure he was going to win. But the joy I felt over his loss and Doug Jones's victory was something more than a political feeling. Yeah. The the idea of having that monster serving in the US Senate which you know forgive me for this I still actually have some reverence for the body of the United States Senate. <laughs> I kn I know it's silly but I I oh, actually I, I actually think it's an institution sure. that has import that can do good and has a real place in our society. And the idea of this guy who is a child molester, yeah. who is a raging homophobe and racist and anti-Muslim bigot who wants to wipe a misogynist. I mean, they're, I'm going to miss some of the things he hates because yeah, they're a I, lot. You're hitting a lot of different points here. Um, but The idea that he was going to be there was occupying a part of my body, a tension in my body that I didn't even realize I had. Yeah. Yeah, I I I had completely not made peace, but had come to an understanding that Roy Moore was going to win. I, I was there. I, I I said it to anybody that would listen on the show. I, I've I've mentioned many times. I, all my family is from Alabama. 
Most of the things that came out about Roy Moore, aside from the pedophilia, which mm-hmm. is a big one, but all the things that were these huge revelations about Roy Moore, that we were better off when we had slavery and women shouldn't be allowed to vote and gay behavior should be outlawed in the in America, um, that I didn't think that was really going to hurt him in Alabama. No. Uh, but I was wrong. I, I'm happy to. I am happy to I, say I, I was a hundred. I got to say wrong. I'm not sure those things did hurt him in Alabama. You know what though? I, I do think that look the the scandal of the girls that he was preying upon obviously played a big big role in this. But I think that in Doug Jones, um, he ran as a full on Democrat. He's he not. He's not a Joe Manchin. Type. I mean, look, is he going to be the strongest Democrat, the strongest progressive? He's going to vote a lot with Joe Manchin. But yeah, but I mean, look, he came out. He didn't run from his abortion stance. Nope. He didn't run from his Obamacare stance. Nope. I mean, he is he really put himself on the line where it is tough to sell those things in Alabama. Oh, it is. Um, look, we are in a time right now where issues seem to matter to voters less than they used to. Yeah. Where people stand on the issues is not where people are voting right now. Yeah. They are voting uh, on character, they are voting tribally, yeah. and they are voting on gut emotion. Uh, and that's always true, but issues have taken a back seat. And it's why the strongest Doug Jones ads that he ran were the ones about Roy Moore's character. Yep. It is why he was able on election night to do something I've never seen a Southern politician do, which is give shout-outs to the blacks, Hispanics, and the Jews. Yeah. I appreciated his happy Hanukkah wish. Yeah, Maybe yeah. the first time that's been uttered into a statewide microphone in Alabama. <laughs> it, Other than we're going to ban the words. Yeah, yeah right. Happy exactly. Hanukkah. Yeah, when, I was, uh, when I was running a campaign in, uh, in Oklahoma, uh, the daughter of my candidate, who was a wonderful, lovely person, came up to me. Sugar wouldn't have melted in her mouth. She came up to me one day and she said, Jonathan, you're the first person who ever admitted that they were Jewish to me. And she did not mean it badly, but it's, sure. it, it is just there is a cultural uh, cluelessness about yeah. Judaism through I, no, a absolutely. certain part of the world. So to hear that and see that it, it was striking in a lot of ways. One of our attorneys is a Jew. Yeah, that's true. That's Kayla Moore. You can't be an anti-Semite if you, have, if you have a Jew, a Jew for the legal stuff. Not a person of Jewish descent. A is Jew. a Jew. Let me be very clear. If that woman said... Our lawyer is a person of Jewish descent. <laughs> that would be way me, more efficient. Me and my Hebrew brethren brethren would have run for the hills. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's how you know something bad's coming. Best story about Roy Moore is that he showed up to different events uh, across the state on his horse. Mm-hmm. His horse's name? Sassy. Sassy. Sassy? His horse's name was Sassy. You know what Sassy's favorite food is, don't you? What? Hey! Shut the show down. <laughs> We're done. This is it. This is the end of radio and TV as we know. Well, thank God we're getting rid of the internet so no one has to hear this crap anymore. <laughs> no kidding. Like, I love that Roy Moore would come out and say, like, gay people should be in jail. Muslims have a terror bone in their body. Now, come on, Sassy, let's get out of here. <laughs> Oh, man. Sassy is one of those words, too, that I try to avoid as a gay man because there is no way to say it without a sibilant S. Do you say yas? Is that still a thing? Do I say that? Yeah. Jamie, do I strike you as someone who says yas? 
Radio Twink Jamie Be- uh, over here Politi-twink. is Politi-twink, excuse me. I believe we should have a crime island for all black people. I believe that gay people should also go on this island. Now, come on over here, sassy. Let's get out of here, girl. I, I believe his official cry is, hi-ho, sassy. Hi-ho, <laughs> <laughs> sassy. Thanks for Trump. I love you. <laughs> there you go. I love you. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, uh, 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 to your point of, of what you were saying, like, Yes, I am. Yes. Uh, yes, I am very <laughs> excited that it's not going to be Senator Roy Moore after spending months being convinced we were going to have Senator Roy Moore. But I think Charles Barkley, former NBA player and certainly outspoken on many issues, he made the best point. I'm sorry. We are in the freaking upside down. I know. We are completely. Like, it's the completely. world with President Donald Trump and Charles Barkley making the best political point. I'm sorry. I continue. But Charles, just... to, to, to your earlier point about why Doug Jones went up and 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 thanked minorities in the state of Alabama for put, for making that win happen, here's what Charles Barkley said. The Democrats are just taking the black vote for granted. Like They're on television for the last few days talking about we got to get the black vote out. We need to do more than get the black vote out. We need to do some asset for these black people and poor white people. So, like, look, Doug Jones won. He has another election in 2020. People immediately started saying, well, there's no way he's going to win that election. Will it be an uphill battle when he's not running against a pedophile? Yeah, probably. But to Charles Barkley's point, if he comes out and he helps the people of Alabama, the poor white people and the and and the black population of Alabama, he could win. Oh, look, Heidi Heidkamp is favored in North Dakota. Yeah. Uh, Joe Manchin is favored in West Virginia. Yeah. There, there is a history of doing this and a way to do it. I will say this. Um, first of all, the round mound of rebound is a, uh, yeah, how you like them apples? How, wow. Is, I Googled it. Uh, <laughs> he, he is uh, He is absolutely right with his sentiment there. Um, we do uh, we we do need to start making sure we're we're prioritizing who our actual base is. Yeah, uh, and uh, both for political reasons and you know moral reasons. Yeah, winning's not just about winning. That's one of the things the Republicans have done. They won, and then we're like, oh crap, we have to do things now. Um, yeah. We should actually try to win so we can improve people's lives as Democrats. It's incredibly important. Just a quick note. Last night on TNT, Charles Barkley did make the announcement that he is pledging $1 million uh, to help black women begin startups in Alabama. So, I love that. No kidding. I uh, love that. Controversial take, uh, controversial counterpoint, Charles Barkley went on to say, quote, that does not mean restaurants and hair salons, black women. That means startups. Oh, Charles. So, can't have it both ways, but uh, good for the $1 million, so. Charles gets it, but also kind of doesn't get no. it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, good, good for him for putting his money where his mouth yeah, is, yeah. In, in all honesty. Jonathan, I want to ask you about another story this week that frankly got kind of buried uh, because we were so... Every story gets buried every week because uh, there's too much news. It's true. It's true. Uh, but in the in the fallout over Roy Moore's loss in Alabama, that literally the day after, uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein uh, went up to sort of defend uh, the the um, the Department of Justice in general and sort of hold up the fact that they are not run by the deep state; they are not run by uh, Trump haters. And this has become sort of a, a, a theme among Trump supporters that, well, this Robert Mueller investigation cannot continue because um, 
it is run by anti-Trump deep staters. Yeah, well, if, if you're going to investigate a Democrat, you have to be a Republican. If you are going to investigate a Republican, you have to be a Republican. Those are apparently the rules we're dealing with here. Yeah. Uh, you well, have to be a half-shaven Jim Jordan with his sleeves rolled up without a suit jacket because he doesn't know how to dress himself. No idea who Jim I, Jordan is. I resent that he's the congressman from Ohio who, who hates just about everybody. Huh. I resent I resent. He's that. in the J- Jason Chaffetz, Trey Gowdy wing of the party. But why, he, why is he half-shaven? Like, which half of him is shaven? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> um, all right. No, look, this is this is <laughs> I, 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 okay. Yeah, we can do this. We can do this. Teamwork makes it dream. My fault was it? I'm not sure. Actually, I just I, sort of assume it's it. my fault. I feel like I'm watching um, a train wreck happen. It's uh, you know, it's Friday. It's a loose show. John Allen um, will be proud. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, the, the, I, I. This is a huge story, and the story here is there is an effort that is being coordinated or at least signaled by different uh, factions on the right to start a drumbeat to discredit the FBI and this investigation. And it's not just to, I I don't think it's just to soften the blow that's coming. I I think if you look at it and you read the tea leaves here, it's because they want to lay the groundwork that if this gets too real, they are going to shut down this uh, investigation. Yeah. And they want to build support, at least with their base, to do it. I think they are going to shut down this investigation, I, I do too. by the way. I, I think it's just a matter of time. So here's, here's, here is the one thing I will say, and this is an important thing about the Roy Moore loss, yeah. is I think it just became harder for Republicans, or sorry, it became easier for Republicans to stand up to Trump. They saw Trump get behind Roy Moore yeah. and lose. And they said, oh, maybe there's a way I survive with the base if even if Donald Trump gets mad at me, which because the Republicans, even the good meaning Republicans are wusses and they are afraid of him and they would make a lot of noise if he shut down Mueller and do nothing is the concern. I think after more, maybe a few of them actually will say, you know what? He can't hurt me. Look, if you want to remain in power as a Republican, there is no way around it. <clears throat> you have to, on some level, run with Donald Trump. He is the unofficial head of the party. That's yes. what the president is. He's the and, official head of the party. Well, I mean, it's not it's not an official title, right? Like there are other people, but like, look, he is the head of the party. And I was saying yesterday, like, isn't it quaint? Don't you remember the days that the Democrats were wetting their beds and saying, how am I going to run with an unpopular Barack Obama <laughs> when he had, like, 49%? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, he, he... He he had less than half the country with him, and so now they had to freak out. And Donald Trump is at, like, 32? Yeah. And and falling. And That's falling? It's, he has... His floor is starting to erode. And his floor is starting to erode... Not because of all his crazy shenanigans. It's because of this tax bill yeah. that his base does not like. Yeah. They do not think it's for them. Listen. It I, is because I, of them, him trying to take away health care. Yeah. I said, this, I said this yesterday, and this this blew me away. Earlier this week, I talked to my parents. That long, does blow me away. Long to, I talk to my parents every day. You're a good L- son. Long-time Republicans. First-time even, callers. Even, <laughs> even went so far as to vote for Donald Trump. And even when I talked to them at Thanksgiving, we're still kind of on board with the, the whole Trump train. Mm-hmm. I talked to them, and you know what finally broke them? The tax plan. Yeah. 
the tax plan. Because for all of the, the, the hot air that Republicans throw out there about how much they love small businesses and all of that, this screws small business. My parents are retired now, but when they were running a business, they ran a business, mm-hmm. a very small business. It was run by my mother and father. They had a couple of employees. They did very, very well. And one of the reasons they did so well is because you get a certain amount of deductions when you run your own small business. Right. You know, there are certain things that 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 you are afforded when you do this. Those are going to be gone. Those are going to be gone. I've talked to people who have gone out, put their own shingle up, and started just a consulting company on their own. Mm-hmm. I talked to an artist who, you know, he ships art all over the world and he gets to deduct the shipping costs. Yep. That's part of what you get when you run a small business. Those mm-hmm. shipping costs, you get to offset. And you know what? No more. Yeah. No more. It's going to be gone. And these people are going to go out of business. They're going to lose their businesses. Mm-hmm. All because of, not Donald Trump necessarily, although he's a big reason why, but this is a Paul Ryan dream. Oh, This absolutely. is a Republican dream. That's the point I was making to my parents. They were saying, I can't believe Trump is doing this. Yeah, you know what? Trump made it happen. Or it happened under Trump. But this is a culmination of like 30 years worth of Republican policy that has finally happened. This is why. Forget about it. This Thank is why, you. This, Thank you. This is why Paul Ryan exists. I actually think if this tax, tax bill passes, Paul Ryan's just going to disappear. Like, poof, into the ether. He no longer has a reason to He's got to plenty exist. of money to go out. I mean. I don't mean run away. I think he will cease to be. <laughs> Like yeah. He's co- just going to evaporate. Yeah. Or? Yeah, his his core reason for heavens. existence is gone. It, no, it, 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 this is this is hurting everybody, Democrats and Republicans alike. And people know that. People get that this is not for them. Yeah, He's going to go back to Wisconsin with Scott Walker and eat ham sandwiches for lunch every yeah, day. Yeah, right. Good for him. Yeah. By the way, it, 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 the big rumor around Washington, D.C. these days is that Paul Ryan will not be around after yeah. 2018. This is a, a couple different reasons. Our our friend Iron Stash, who is running against Randy Bryce, yeah. who is running against uh, Paul Ryan, uh, released some polling data that shows that Paul Ryan is he was under fifty percent. Not only vulnerable, but I mean he is just like a sitting duck. And, and like this is a ruby red district. And sure. For Bryce to be as close as he is, and uh, I'm sorry, Mister Stash to be as close Mr. as Stash, he is, if uh, you please, Stash Esquire. Um, <laughs> Uh, to be as close as he is, and Ryan to be that far under 50. Look, Ryan's brand is damaged not just with Democrats, but with Republicans. Yeah. People don't like him on any side. They see him as coreless. They see him as weak. They see him as craven. Yeah. Uh, so they see him as he is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it is, it's stunning um, to see how quickly his star has fallen. Um, Randy Bryce also is an, another great example of what you were talking about with the Doug Jones, sort of like, he is not trying to be Republican-like. Yep. He is a strong, progressive Democrat who, through his thick, luxurious mustache, seems to have crossover appeal. He's a Bernie Democrat. Yeah, I mean, that's he, what he, he is. He he calls him. I mean, he he aligns himself with Bernie, and that's just sort of like, look, whatever you thought about Hillary Clinton's campaign, whatever you thought about Barack Obama's presidency, I think one thing that they both got wrong is to try and. Be something for Republicans to try and show up and say, we're going to work with Republicans. I, I point to Obamacare, which we have now, which is a mess. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but we have Obamacare. And part of the reason that it got so unlikable at the time is that like the insurance companies were still left in charge. 
And so you, I, I think my biggest takeaway from all these years and that it culminated in President Donald Trump is if you're going to be a Democrat, be a Democrat and adopt the like those principles of the Democratic Party. Stop trying to be a centrist. Stop trying to work with these Republicans and only want to kill whatever you're trying to work on. So I'll t- I'll counterpoint that because I think that there is a lot of truth that you have you have to be authentic. Sure, you yeah, absolutely yes. have to be true to your, your, uh, yourself. I do not think saying I'm going to work with uh, the other side is a bad thing. Ralph Northam looked straight into the TV and excuse me into the camera uh, on the TV, <laughs> and uh, that's Donald Trump who looks straight into the I TV talk to all the TV day. Yeah. Too, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. whom amongst us? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, Ralph Northam looked directly into the camera and said. If Donald Trump wants to help Virginia, I'll work with him. Yeah. But if he tries to hurt us, I'm going to stand up to him. And that's a fair message, and it's one that resonated. Yeah. So, Spoiler alert, Donald Trump is not going to try and help Virginia. Donald Trump's not sure where Virginia is, though. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, folks, we are on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. We will read some of your comments here. Uh, after this very quick break. Also, we haven't even talked about it yet, and we're going to spend our entire next segment on it. Net neutrality went down yesterday. What does that mean? We'll be talking about that with tech reporter for Politico, Stephen Overly. Uh, So stay tuned here to The Bill Press Show. It's Peter Ogburn and Jonathan Levy sitting in for Bill Press today. Very quick break. We'll be right back. Blacks for Trump. I love you. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday, December 15th. My name is Peter Ogburn. I'm sitting in for Bill Press today along with Jonathan Levy. Uh, so much to talk about today. One thing we haven't gotten to yet is net neutrality. Uh, if you have been online at all in the past couple of weeks, you have seen people freaking out about net neutrality. Uh, why are they freaking out? What are they freaking out about? Well, to find out, we have our tech reporter from Politico, Stephen Overly, who is in studio with us. Hey, Stephen, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm well. How are you? Good, good, good. I want to jump right into all the details of net neutrality in just a moment. But first, Jamie Benson has some Twitter comments. Remember, we're on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Yeah, let's go ahead and start actually on YouTube, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press sure. Show. I'd like to uh, just do a quick plug for that as well. If you haven't already subscribed at youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show, please do so ASAP. Tell a friend, tell a family member. We're trying to get to 11,000 subscribers today. That's our goal 11,000 subscribers. We're very close. Uh, and uh, yeah, be a great Christmas present for all of us here at the Bill Press Show. I believe we can do it. Uh, Christmas, right, Jonathan? We're yes, saying Merry Christmas We again. are saying Merry Christmas okay, again. Okay, right, good. Just, just checking. I also want to shout out Bruce. Uh, he sent us a super chat this morning supporting the show. You can do so as well. YouTube.com backslash The Bill Press Show. Jonathan, do you know about super chats? I know nothing of super chat. Yeah, it says functionality on YouTube. Uh, you see our chat room on the right side of the page when you go to YouTube.com backslash The Bill Press Show. And then underneath that, you see a comment line, a smiley face emoji, and a dollar sign emoji. Hit that dollar sign emoji. You send us a super chat. Your chat goes to the top of the chat room. And you send us some money to support the show. And now, while oh, How do I get my own super chat? <laughs> it's not possible. It's not a functionality. 
Uh, all right, let's go to Twitter. Twitter.com uh, backslash BP. Is that right? I don't know why I did that. It is uh, It is just at BP Show yeah, on Twitter. Show. Tight, tight ship when Bill's <laughs> the, not here. The, I'm not on Twitter anymore, but I do believe that's how it works. Does. Let's get some comments on the Republicans. NC Nomad says, The dwindling GOP will completely be wiped out the minute they begin to destroy Social Security and Medicare. Nail, meat, coffin. I like that comment. I agree with that. Uh, Karen Byrne on Twitter says, If the GOP tax plan passes, Paul Ryan is going to be like every drummer in Spinal Tap. Okay, all right. That's pretty wow. good. I deep like cut that. there. That's a deep And cut. if you've been watching the show since 7 a.m. Eastern, you know that the show is already completely off the rails. <laughs> it's true. It uh, is true. At one point, I asked, is it my fault? Vicky Ann says, it's definitely your fault, Jamie. These two are silly putty in your hands today. Keep instigating. So that I will. I- I'm silly putty in your hand every day, Jamie. <laughs> Keep the comments coming in. Twitter. Dot com backslash BP show. I don't know why I keep doing this. At BP show and YouTube.com backslash the Bill Press show. Maybe let's go ahead and talk about some serious news. Back to you guys. (laughs) All right. So net neutrality. Yesterday, (laughs) you probably read about this if you were online. Uh, Tech reporter for Politico, Stephen Overly. You can follow him on Twitter at Stephen Overly. That's Stephen with a V. Thank you. Uh, And read his good work at Politico.com. So... I'm gonna. I'm. I, I've read about net neutrality. I've kept up with it over the past. I mean, God, this has been going on for years now. But uh, I feel like it all culminated yesterday. Um, if you haven't been following net neutrality, and I'm not looking specifically at Jonathan, you should look specifically at me. But Jonathan does not know about net neutrality. What does that mean? Well, at the most fundamental level, net neutrality refers to a set of rules that dictate how your internet provider treats how you access the internet. So, for example, there are rules. There were rules in place that required them not to block websites, not to slow or throttle websites, and that they couldn't force websites to pay more to access you faster. Those it's sort of fundamentally how you utilize and access the internet, making sure that that's equal for all websites. So that is the burdensome regulations we hear about, is telling people not to block websites. Not to block, right, throttle, or engage in what's called paid prioritization. Which uh, is, yeah. I, I want to play the second clip from the FCC chairman, Ajit Pai, where he talks about all the regulations that have been on the Internet this whole time. You had a government regulator standing in the way of providers that wanted to distinguish themselves in a competitive marketplace, uh, wireless carriers offering free data, against consumers who wanted to take advantage of that. That's a very wordy way of saying pay-to-play, essentially, right? Like, these these providers or these websites can pay more to get more eyeballs on it. Well, what he's referring to there is something called zero rating, which is essentially, you know, a website can strike a deal that it won't use any of your mobile data to access their website. Okay. And, and that's sort of that one of Ajit Pai's criticisms was the FCC felt that was a violation of these net neutrality rules even though they think that's an arrangement that is pro-consumer and pro-business. Yeah. Um, but that's just one example. That's not necessarily the fears that a lot of pro-net neutrality folks have. Okay, I want to talk to you about the fears, because if you went on especially Reddit or Twitter or Wikipedia or any of these pages, right, over the last couple of weeks especially, um, they were freaking out. I mean, they were acting yeah. like this was D-Day for them. Uh, why? Why, what, what, are their, what are their biggest concerns? What does, I mean, now that net neutrality is gone and the FCC has taken it away, they voted yesterday three to two, um, now that this has happened, now that this is a reality, what do they fear is going to happen? 
I think at a basic level, there are people who fear that their internet experience and their internet bill will become more like their cable experience and their cable bill. Where you well, everyone loves their cable companies. Right, exactly. It's it's an easy uh, it's an easy target. Many people don't have favorable opinions of their cable provider or even I don't a know great who trust. Does have favorable <laughs> All right, tweet us if you do. Yeah, seriously. Um, While you still can. Right. <laughs> um, but. I, you know, there's this fundamental principle that the Internet should be open, it should be free, and it should be equitable. And so I think there's a very principled argument that a lot of Democrats and a lot of tech companies have made that rolling back these rules violates that basic principle of the Internet. Is, is there a constituency out there who is really excited to end net neutrality? That's what I, I, I don't see that other than a few, a handful of legislators and companies who are about to profit off of this. Who, who is the public constituency for this? Well, it's an interesting question because net neutrality is a very partisan issue here in Washington. Mm -hmm. But surveys have shown it's actually not that partisan if you talk to consumers. The University of Maryland, for example, had a survey out this week that said 83% of people support net neutrality rules, including 75% of Republicans. Wow. So, so from a consumer perspective, um, there are... You know, it seems most people do support the net neutrality rules. So oh, this is uh, sorry. Go, go ahead. No, no, no. Say, so this seems to be being done entirely for uh, companies that will profit off of it. The internet providers like Comcast, Verizon, AT and T. Yes, they've all lobbied very hard. Um, they view this as they view the rules as one sort of stifling their investment in their you know in building out their internet infrastructure, and they also say it makes them less competitive against tech companies that they are sort of hamstrung by these onerous rules. Um, so lifting them is certainly a big win for their businesses. And Republicans, you know, who have traditionally been more aligned with telecom companies um, have kind of gotten in line behind them and, and championed their cause. Yeah. I want to play a couple of clips yesterday. Um, Jamie, I'm just going to kind of run through some of these. Yesterday, Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, talked about the very first clip where she spoke about the rollback. The Trump administration supports the FCC's effort to roll back burdensome regulations. Um, but as we have always done and will continue to do, we certainly support a free and fair Internet. And then the the <laughs> I find this to be such a funny line here. Her her second clip where she talks about how this just continues a theme from the Trump administration where they have unleashed the American economy. Washington scoffed, but the administration back. acted. In under a year, we have unleashed the American economy, businesses, and job creation. Thank Nancy, God. yeah, right. Nancy Pelosi spoke about net neutrality yesterday. This is about democracy on the internet. This is about good jobs for the future, and this should not be done. And there were two dissenting votes yesterday from the FCC: uh, Jessica Rosenworcel and Mignon Clyburn. Uh, both voting to uh, keep net neutrality. Mignon Clyburn, two clips from her. First of all, she starts out by saying she is outraged. I dissent because I am among the millions outraged. Outraged because the FCC pulls its own teeth, abdicating responsibility to protect the nation's broadband consumers. And she goes on. Handing the keys to the Internet. The Internet. One of the most remarkable, empowering, enabling inventions of our lifetime. Over to a handful of multi-billion dollar corporations. So, like, I, 
let me just play devil's avocado here for just a moment because the cable companies run how they run, right? And poorly, it's poor. It is poor, right? So is the argument that like maybe there should be more government regulations on the way that cable companies are run, the, 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 like the way that like the internet is going to be run now? I think there's an argument that the internet is so fundamental to everything we do now. It's fundamental yeah. to business. Mm -hmm. It's fundamental to education that it cannot be sort of subject to you know some of these some of these companies and their business models that it needs to be equitable um for you know people to access the websites they want when they want at a, you know at a speed right you know at a speed that they want and so that that fundamentally i think democrats argue that is the pro consumer position what, that that's the most that makes perfect sense yeah. it seems logical and obvious what i'm struggling with is I don't actually understand the argument the other side is making here because, like, with the tax bill, for example, I disagree with the idea of trickle-down economics. I think we have a, a, a body of evidence that shows it doesn't work. But I understand this idea that if you give more money to companies – like, I understand that there's an argument to be made. If you give more money to companies, it will trickle down. It will spur growth in the economy. I don't understand what the opponents of net neutrality are actually saying the benefit is here. Well, Ajit Pai has made a couple remarks on this. One, you know, they contend that because of these regulations are in place, telecom companies are and internet companies are investing less in their infrastructure, right? So that means rural Americans and those who live in areas that aren't well serviced by broadband may get it at a slower rate because companies are not investing as much. Now, is there any evidence for that? The data on that, it's tricky because these rules really went into place in in 2015, so there's not a <laughs> so, there's not a long body of evidence to suggest um one way or the other. Though, it seems you know, like a specious argument then. If, economists, there are economists on both sides who have sort of made counter made, made opposing arguments. So, um, but that is one of the one of the issues that has been raised. The other is that these rules are just simply unnecessary. That the um, you know the cable companies don't intend to block or throttle. And you know one of the provisions that the measure yesterday puts in place is they have to be transparent when they do those things. So the argument here is that the these companies spent millions upon millions of dollars to lobby to get rid of a rule that they don't plan on doing anything with. Yes, at a, a fundamental level. I mean, yes and no. You know, there it's it's interesting because there's sort of three you know buckets of net neutrality. There's the no blocking, there's the no throttling, and then there's paid prioritization. Cable companies have, sounds like my Tinder profile. Right. <laughs> Internet companies have committed to those first two: the no blocking, no throttling. Paid prioritization is the sticking point. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to do things like zero rating. They want to offer different internet bundles to consumers that they think will will be tailored to their interests. So that's that's the sticking point that I think a lot of them had with these Title II rules. And that, to your point, Jonathan, that has been one of the weirder things to watch, to watch all of these giant communications companies say, oh, God, no, we would never. We would never change this at all. We don't want to screw. We don't want to change the way you do the Internet. By the way, here is a giant wad of cash right, right. to try and fight to get the right to do that. Yeah, it's, it, if you it, don't want to do it, why spend that money? It seems like they could do things with that money, uh, like I don't know, invest in rural broadband. Well, um, so to your to your point, by the way, about that, that, a lot of the criticisms or some of the criticisms that have come out about this are the fact that there are minorities and LGBT youth in rural areas, right, that rely on the internet. Like this way that schooling is done now is completely different yeah. than the way it was done. 
hell, five years ago. Like, like my kids get Chromebooks when they go to school. Like, they have their own Chromebook that they use at school. They turn it at the end of the year. And, wow. And I, that that's just how things are run now. And, and it's reliant on a free and open internet. It's it's also, when you talk about those types of communities, uh, the free and open internet has con- has given voice to uh, uh, traditionally marginalized people in a, yeah, in, that's a, good point. in a huge way. It has really, we've seen a rise of people of color who have become thought leaders in our society who normally wouldn't have been heard. Sure. Uh, to, it connects LGBTQ youth around this country who oftentimes are looking for someone like them. Uh, in When I've done uh, campaigns in rural communities, uh, we find it's actually the best way, Facebook is the best way to communicate with voters there because everybody uses it as a lifeline when they are 10 miles from the closest house. Yeah. Um, by endangering this, we are once again putting folks who have oftentimes the smallest voice in society uh, at risk in favor of money for large corporations. That's definitely an argument that Democrats have made, that these net neutrality rules, rolling them back is bad for free speech and bad for online expression, that it you know it, it could potentially give your Internet service provider the ability to censor certain views or, you know, prioritize certain views over others, you know. Ajit Pai has said that those fears are overblown. So, oh, have okay. his, We're fine so yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So of his fellow yeah, Republican commissioners. So yeah. there's I, I you know, there's a, there's points on both sides that, you know, it's not necessarily in their business interests to be censoring anyone's viewpoint online and that that's not what this is about. But that fear has been raised. So, it, you know, a lot of people talk about how well organized the Trump campaign is in the sense that, because I don't think they are well organized, but that they will sort of blind you with different things all the time. It's just like a flurry of news that comes out. So on that point, I'm not sure that a bunch of people care about net neutrality as much as maybe they should or think that they do. So what's the future of net neutrality? Like when we get into another election, which we're going to have next next year, how big of an issue is this going to be and how much do people care? Well, you saw several Democratic members of Congress try to make it an yeah. election issue yesterday yeah. um, and kind of, I think, piggyback on this online momentum and, and this sort of groundswell of, of support in favor of these rules. You know, do people go to the ballot box and vote on net neutrality when they also have taxes and health care and, you know, harassment of women and other issues on their mind? I don't know, but I think... There are some, particularly among Democrats, who think it fits this broader narrative of Republicans and this administration being what they consider anti-consumer. You know, Congress yeah. rolled back some privacy rules earlier this year as well. Um, and so it could potentially be a, a bullet point or a talking point in, in a broader narrative. One thing, just really quickly, we talk often about Elizabeth Warren after 2012, I think, made one of the best defenses of liberalism. And big government where she said, you have a huge company. Congratulations. The government paid for the roads for you to deliver mm-hmm. your products on. They paid for a police force so that you don't have a marauding band of invaders to come to your factory and steal your product. And I would also say in today's day and age, the government regulates a free and open Internet for you to sell your product on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it. It's a huge part of it. Yeah. Uh, to the electoral side of it, I, I think, it, look, this is not going to be 
the the issue that gets people to the polls uh, in 2018 or any other time. First of all, in the coming future, it's going to be Donald Trump. That is who gets sure. people to the polls. But uh, we we now have a, a a few different data points we can look at th- since Trump's election. Um, of who is showing up and who is energized right now. We have the Virginia election. We have Georgia 6. We have Alabama. We have a bunch of others of these specials. And the trend throughout every single one of them is that it's women and it is people between the ages of 18 and 25 who are surging at levels. And especially people who are 18 to 25, I can see this being a real issue that does continue to motivate them, continue to uh, spur them forward. And I, I hope it does. Because we have to change this. So the next question is, how do we stop this? We got about thirty seconds, by the way. So sure, make I, that quick. Uh, <laughs> the, there's two two sort of uh, processes in place. One in Congress, but the one that will really have legs is in court. And you see state attorneys general, and you see advocacy groups planning a legal battle over this. So uh, net neutrality heads to court. Awesome. Yeah. Stephen Overly, he's a tech reporter for Politico. Go follow him on Twitter at Stephen Overly. That's Stephen with a V. And we'll continue to. See what happens. I mean, this is a done deal for now. So uh, stay tuned to net neutrality and see what uh, how that progresses. It's the Bill Press Show. Peter Ogburn and Jonathan Levy sitting in for Bill Press. A very, very quick break. We'll be back with hour two. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. It's the Bill Press Show here on a Friday, December 15th. My name is Peter Ogburn. Bill is out today, so Jonathan Levy and I are sitting in for him talking about all the big news of the day. We've got a special half hour coming up here in just a moment. Uh, we'll set that up for you uh, momentarily. Remember, we are on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. You can watch it happen live. And don't forget, we put it up there every single day, the full show. If you want to watch the whole show, just go check it out there. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And if you are watching via a link from Twitter or anything like that, just go ahead and subscribe while you're there. It's very easy. If you have a Google account, just hit the subscribe button. Uh, Take that extra step, and that way you get notifications and uh, content whenever we put it up all throughout the day. But we promise we won't be obnoxious about it. Uh, Find us on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show for your comments. And uh, Jonathan, we are going to be talking about our favorite Trump scandals of 2017, but not the dangerous ones, just the funny ones. The silly ones. Yeah, yeah. Look, this year's been tough. This this year's had a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, it's been a weird year. It's been rough. And we have to remember that that what goes along with the hellfire that rains down on us every day is some pretty funny ish. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, 
This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Friday Friday. morning. More troubling sexual uh, harassment allegations, this time against the actor Dustin Hoffman. Three women have come forward alleging sexual misconduct against Dustin Hoffman. One woman, Corey Thomas, alleges that Hoffman exposed himself to her when she was just 16 years old. Jesus. So this could be the end for Dustin Hoffman as well. Just I was actually wondering about that because, I mean, he had allegations made against him and then... Yeah, we'd heard allegations on the set of, I believe, Death of a Salesman Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Um, but just, just bad. Yeah, I do want to mention one other thing about the Me Too movement. There was a great article in the Boston Globe yesterday about the ESPN locker room culture. If you haven't had a chance to check it out just yet, it's a fantastic read. It is a tough read, obviously. But one of the quotes from the author, Jen Abelson, One anchor evened in her scheduled broadcast while she was having a miscarriage to prove her commitment to her job, according to former employees. That's Sarah Walsh. Oh, yeah. Um, Just the men at ESPN do not treat the women very well. Uh, They have very low regard for pregnancies, uh, above all, uh, and any complaints against the men. So. Go, go read that uh, that piece on uh, bostonglobe.com when you get a chance. Speaking of newspapers, the New York Times announcing that Arthur O. Salzberger Jr., who is 66 years old, is stepping down as publisher of the New York Times. Any guesses on who the new publisher of the New York Times is? I'm going to guess he has the same last name. I- I'm going to say it's someone completely new and unrelated. Oh, Jonathan, that's cute. That's Since quaint. 1896, the paper of record has been in the Salzberger family. Arthur will be handing it down to excuse me Arthur O will be handling it down handing it down to Arthur G. Oh come on. Arthur G by the way the G stands for good looking. Wait really? He's a cute uh, Is 30s, he really? well he just got real rich. He's a baldman. So uh he's, he's a baldman. <laughs> he's a baldman. I thought you'd appreciate that. I do appreciate that. He's a baldman. He's 37 years old. Yeah. He's 37 years old. Yeah. AG Salzberger. Same, same age as you, right? I just turned 38. You just oh, so you're older than him. I'm older than him. But you guys are basically Your on parallel tracks in life, right? <laughs> Thank you. One final story here. Uh, I'm 36, so uh, I, I'm hey, you, I'm, you, I'm chasing time. behind him. Plenty of time. Did you guys know that today is Ugly Sweater Day? I mean, Peter. Did. Peter, yuck. Oh, Peter man. very clearly did. This is I'm not sorry. an ugly sweater, is this it? This is not a setup. It's covered in a lot of hair and stains. Well, to be fair, well, go ahead. Anyway, Krispy Kreme is celebrating Ugly Sweater Day. Uh, you don't have to wear an ugly sweater day, but they have a deal going on today. Buy one dozen donuts, get one free. So you can have 24 donuts for half off from Krispy Kreme today. You don't have to wear the ugly sweater. This counts, right? You should wear that, though. I think this counts, right? Oh, yeah. On TV and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yes, it is The Bill Press Show. Hi, my name is Peter Ogburn. I'm sitting in for Bill Press today along with Jonathan Levy, dear friend, founding producer of the show, uh, now a big brain on all things politics, and an observer of the news. That's actually what my uh, business card says. Big brain and observer. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of room on your business card to yeah. have all that stuff on there. Well, I don't uh, have a phone or a fax, so. <laughs> well, we are live here on a Friday, and gosh, it's been a hell of a year, Jonathan. I mean, let's be clear. This past year 
has had more horrifying news in it than the last five. Jamie, what do I say nearly every single day on air? We are living in hell. We are living in hell. <laughs> we are living in hell. We're living. There's no other way to put it. We you know, for a while I tried to get him off that because he'd been in the hospital. I thought he was just, you know, dealing with some post-depression thing or whatever. It was like a repetitive uh, tick from his stroke. <laughs> but then I paid more attention to the news than I ever had before. <laughs> Wouldn't you think it? I'm a producer. I yeah. should probably start paying attention to the news. And I think he's right. Yeah, we do live in hell. No, we live in hell. I tell people all the time, I spent part of 2017 in a coma. And I got to tell you, comas are underrated. I didn't have to watch any news cycles. It was great. I woke up and I had uh, I didn't I didn't have to watch any news. Comas are overrated. Underrated. Look, I mean, not bad. Not uh, bad. It's... So in this half hour of the show, what we want to do is we want to talk about Look, we do live in hell. Uh, and that is still true. But we want to talk about some of the scandals from the Trump administration and from President Donald John Trump about uh, the, the, these scandals that aren't necessarily super harmful. They just show that, like, sometimes the stupidity of Donald Trump, it's okay to laugh at. Yeah. And, I, and you, like, have, you have to. You have to. If you do not laugh, you will die. Like, look, when, when we first started the show and George W. Bush was president, we there was a thing known as... <laughs> simpler times. Oh, much simpler times. Uh, there were there were things known as Bushisms. Just he would constantly screw up and mispronounce things. And we, we could have a good chuckle at yeah. how stupid this man that led us into a senseless war was. And so Donald Trump sort of has those same qualities. And I will also say uh, my ulterior motive for this, too, is I have a fetish for end-of-the-year lists. Same. And Same. I, I just love the chance to be able to participate in one. And what better than a we, – we all know the horrors that have befallen us. We have a you know Manchurian candidate man-child as the president with uh, access to nuclear weapons who might press a button at any moment because he's been called fat. Yeah. Um, that's the hell we live with. So why not have a little fun? Let's have a little fun with it. During the explosions. So what we're going to do now... <laughs> By the way, I, I mentioned this on air before, but uh, a, a couple of weeks ago now, I was talking to my children because they were watching the North Korea thing. And they were saying, are you actually worried that we're going to go to some sort of nuclear war with North Korea? And I sat down and I go, look at the history of Donald Trump. He wanted to become famous. He got very, very famous in New York. He wanted to become wealthy. He became very, very wealthy. He wanted a, you know, trophy wife, and he married. He's had a few of them. Multiple models, and nothing has ever made him happy. And you know what's actually going to make him happy? The sweet, sweet release of total annihilation. <sighs> and my wife was like, "Okay, no more talking to the kids. Yeah, like, please don't talk to the children anymore about politics. We're done." Peter was sent out for a pack of cigarettes and never came <laughs> back. Never came home. <laughs> so we put together our top ten list. I have a top ten list. Jonathan has a top ten list. I imagine some of these will overlap, but I've been crowdsourcing mine. To be fair, smart. I did it. Smart. I did it on Facebook. I did it uh, just shouting it down people on the street. We're also looking for your input uh, at BP Show. At BP Show, we've asked you what your favorite sort of. Not necessarily super harmful scandals from the Trump administration have been. So uh, let's just go right through these. Let's each each start with our 10, and then we'll build our way up to number one. So I'll let you go first. All right. So my number 10 is uh, early on 
in the Trump presidency when he is at the NATO summit. Um, there was a photograph that was go- a group photo that was going to be taken, and our dear leader decided to elbow the prime minister of Montenegro out of oh the way God, so he right. could get in front of the picture. That's right. Because, you know, he was so excited. If you remember, he was so excited to be like with these world leaders. He was just a grinning idiot. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So that's, he that's just my, shoves him out of the just way. Just shoves him out of the way. And the prime minister just looks completely confused. He thinks it's a joke and then realizes, no, this doofus really just wants to be in front he's of the picture. The, he's that hell-bent on being up front. So that's my number 10. My number 10 is after the House repealed Obamacare, which ended up not going anywhere, but after the House repealed Obamacare, they had that huge party at the White House and they all joined together in the Rose Garden and posed. Right. And all of these House Republicans there were like dumb, grinning idiots mm-hmm. watching this happen. And Donald Trump led the charge, of course. Well, and then if you're going to have a group of dumb idiots. And then nothing happened. And then nothing happened with Obamacare. Not to say that nothing will will still happen, but like nothing happened. He had a he brought a keg of beer to this thing. Yeah, I didn't realize, but this was also uh, the day that this clip happened, which is one of my favorite clips. How am I doing? Am I doing okay? I'm president. <laughs> hey, I'm president. Oh my God, can you believe it? Right? Can you? No, we cannot no. believe nope. it. No, sir. Still a year later, we cannot <laughs> effing believe it. I think it was actually three days after he had this uh, kegger at the White House. Um, he called the bill mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. By the way, and he and he and he call, he kept calling it a bill. It, I mean, it, it. That's not how things work. No. Nope. All right, so that's uh, that's my that's my number ten. What do you have for number nine? My number nine is uh, it's a silly thing that happened at a solemn place. Donald Trump went to Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Memorial in Israel. And there's a book there at the end, and uh, presidents, dignitaries, uh, average citizens tend to leave notes that are usually, you know, this is a, a very solemn, important, and moving place. If you're not familiar, this is like one of the most moving places you could possibly it, 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 go. It's unbelievable. And it, it's a place of real reflection. Sure. Which is not our president's <laughs> strong suit. So, while so most keep people, him away from there. Yeah. So while most people write. Get his fire. Stay yeah. away from it. Don't go. Don't go. Don't go. <laughs> Just tell him it's a salad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, so Obama wrote like a really beautiful, long moving statement in the book of remembrance at the end of it. Um, Donald Trump instead thought he had been handed a yearbook and wrote. It's a great honor to be here with all of my friends. So amazing and will never forget. <laughs> Stay cool. Have a great summer. TTFN. Can you believe the year's over already? We didn't get to hang that much after math class. Sorry so sloppy. <laughs> sorry so sloppy? You never got the sorry so sloppy? No. I mean in certain You know times. the weird, you know the weird little Don't ass? Do it, Jonathan. The weird little Don't ass? Do it. Oh, man, this is going to get weird, isn't it? The weird little S that people draw, like the varsity S, and it just says, sorry, so sloppy after you sign a yearbook? No. That's all thing. <laughs> None of us. Cyprian? Really? Cyprian? No. <laughs> well, as usual, it's me against everyone. No, I, 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 it was an offhand joke, I, but, but my, my, my point is... <laughs> my point uh-huh. is... Great defense. It was an offhand joke. But I just threw it out there. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't, sure didn't, did. I didn't have to. Uh, the, the, surely people have heard of this. This is not. Like, I, didn't so make, t- I didn't make this to, up. To 30, all of our listeners, I'd just like to say, sorry, so sloppy. Yeah, right. Thirty-seven or sixty-seven. Oh, come on now. 
that's a good one though. That, I mean, it also just shows how. I mean, look, it's it's not harmful. It's just he's an idiot. Yes, he's an idiot. My number nine is um, so the NFL taking a knee. Mm-hmm. I think actually is kind of harmful. The fight that Donald Trump has waged harmful. against those the, the, racist. The, the players and very racist. Soup's racist. But out of all of that, my my favorite sports fight that Donald Trump got into uh, this year was with Steph Curry. After Steph Curry said, look, oh, right. after the Golden State Warriors won the championship in the NBA, typically they go to the White House. Typically, teams who win the championship in their respective leagues go to the White House. And Steph Curry said, said uh, I'm not sure that we're going to do that. So then Fox News ran a story on it. 20 minutes later, Donald Trump goes on Twitter and says, they're uninvited. Yeah. They're uninvited. You and can't break up with me. I'm breaking up I, with you. Exactly. Yeah, you can't fire me. I quit. Yeah. And, Do- and, and LeBron James went on Twitter and called the president of the United States a bum yeah. over that whole oh, thing. Oh, man, which is, I totally forgot about that. Honestly, one of the greatest tweets of the year. Oh, yeah. King James went in. Yeah. He called him a bum. It's well, so good. Tell me where the lie is. No, no, no lies at all. But I just, I think it's fantastic. That is. Jonathan, that is, you watch basketball, right? Sport ball? <laughs> Did you hear this? It's the one with the round bouncer, right? Yeah. yeah. The round bouncer. Um, one of my favorite. It's the color rock of your beard. <laughs> one of my favorite Thirty Rock jokes is Tina Fey trying to be uh, cool, talking to a guy she likes with a uh, with a, holding a basketball, and she calls it an orange, the old orange pumpkin, the old o- or, or, old uh, leather pumpkin, the old leather pumpkin. Uh, what is your number eight? My number eight. So this isn't this isn't a Donald Trump. Uh, silly story. It's a. It's the two most important Trump ladies in his life story. It's a combined between uh, his lovely wife Melania and his uh, even lovelier daughter Ivanka. Aren't they? It's, lovely? it's their their holiday decoration choices. It's Ivanka's garbage clam <laughs> and Melania's sticks of death. Um, garbage which, clam. The uh, I wish I could take credit for that. That is from a Guardian headline. Uh, it's, it refers to it as a festive garbage clam. This is when Ivanka's company tweeted out a simple centerpiece idea for the best holiday, Thanksgiving, which was a giant bleached clamshell filled with trash. Oh my God! And um, happy holidays. Then and I pair that with uh, with Melania who decorated for a lesser holiday known as Christmas by uh, putting giant white sticks through a hallway, backlighting them, and inviting us all into the seventh circle Making of it hell. look like a scene from The Shining. Yes. It looked horrifying. It, honestly, it looked like, you know, you were on your way to some center in The Handmaid's Tale, which, yeah. not inaccurate. Look, I spent one Christmas on LSD. And sounds, when I sounds did, right. when I did, I had visions not unlike what Melania Trump. It was a bad trip. Yeah, it doesn't Trump. sound fun. Visions man. of chestnuts. It was not fun. It's no fun. Don't don't do LSD on Christmas, or you might end up having a Trump White House decoration. <laughs> Sugar plums and chestnuts. That's what. That's all you saw, right? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's all. That's all I saw. Um. Well, on that note, by the way, while we're on number eight, uh, I also have an Ivanka Trump story. This was Kellyanne Conway hawking Ivanka Trump's brand from the White House, which got her in in, in some actual trouble. Uh, here's here's a clip from uh, that whole scandal. This is just it's a wonderful line. I own some of it. I fully I'm going to just give it. I'm going to give a free okay. commercial here. Go buy it today, everybody. You can <laughs> right. find it online. There she is at the White House giving an interview to where else? Fox and Friends. Which also happens to be the number one, I hate to say this, but the number one watch cable news network. So she reached the largest audience possible. Yeah. Which is, it turns out, 
not entirely legal. Yeah, who and knew? she was immediately taken and given a one-hour course on what you can and can't do for the White House, and then problem solved. I guess. I mean, who who runs that course in the Trump White House? Do you think? I would love to know. Is it Sebastian Gorka? <laughs> that was Omarosa's one duty before she was fired. Oh. Number seven on your list, sir. So number seven on my list is Kofefe. Oh, which. <laughs> It, this was, I don't have Kofefe on my list. I feel like I really screwed up here. I hated Kofefe. Uh, well, I, I hated what it became. I hated what it became, too. But if you remember what it actually was, the president was tweeting at midnight. It yeah. was 12.06 in the morning, which is crazy. Yeah. And he tweeted out, despite the negative, the constant negative press, Kofefe. <laughs> and that was it. End of tweet. And you know, there is a world with all this reporting we've gotten since where you can imagine that he was starting to write something angrily while watching a replay of, I guess at the time, probably the O'Reilly Factor. Probably, yeah. And um, choked on his 12th Diet Coke of the day. I was going to say, he just he took his last sip of the, tw- the 12th Diet Coke. Yeah, yeah. He's, he was shoving the uh, his eighth Big Mac down his gullet using the uh, uh, remains of the fish filet. <laughs> By the way, you know what, that, that story that we've talked about so often, he eats two um, Big Macs and two filet of fish with a chocolate malted from McDonald's. However- Where do you get a chocolate malted? By the way, by the way, I looked this up, McDonald's doesn't sell chocolate malted. No, of course it doesn't. It's not the 1950s. Yeah, right. This isn't a Sodi shop. I mean, maybe, maybe they make one for him. But also, what's even grosser about that, and uh, he, is a, he is apparently a paleo warrior, and he takes the buns off of his sandwiches. Well, health first. So he eats. Well, what about the fried chicken at KFC? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, look, I, you're nothing makes sense about this. Yes, but Jamie. He just, there are holes in, the, in his logic. <laughs> there are holes in his you brain. You finally figured out how to bring him down. Yeah, there are holes in his brain. And so in his mind, it doesn't have a bun, therefore it's still paleo. Can we talk about the uh, NBC News reporter who, when Trump went to the Capitol, this is a couple of months ago, she she overheard a, a Secret Service officer talking to a Capitol Police officer oh God. about Trump's eating habits. Oh, God. And that his lunch that day <laughs> oh God. had been white rice, Jesus. just plain white rice, mm-hmm. Normal. finished off with cherry pie. Oh, like my kids wouldn't eat that. They How does anyone just that? eat? I mean, cherry pie, whatever. How does Bring anyone me a bowl just of eat rice? Plain white rice. What a bowl of rice. It, was it buttered rice? No, I, I bet it was just plain white rice. Maybe a little bit of salt. I bet there was butter on it. Like there was soy sauce. <laughs> I bet that. Oh no, 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 no it was no, too no. ethnic. Far I'm too sorry. spicy. Yeah, <laughs> it's far too spicy. All right, um, where are we? Number uh, number seven. Are we on number seven? What do you have? I just did mine. I oh wait, no, I did, I did the. I did, oh yeah, yeah, you did Kofefe for seven. Mine is. He's is, had a stroke. Tighten it, tighten it up. Mine here. is a is similar in the fact that he he can't spell and doesn't. By the way, he can't spell and doesn't know the meaning of words. He went up there and talked about Nambia, Nambia. Hmm. You know that great country in Africa, Nambia. Yeah, I love that place. In Guinea and Nigeria, you fought a horrifying Ebola outbreak. <laughs> Nambia's health system is increasingly. Self-sufficient. Hmm. Not Namibia, Nambia. There's actually a couple of, there's two things that I didn't notice in the clip before. This one. Outbreak. Wait, no, hold on. <laughs> Let's try this again. Great Ebola movie. out. Ebola. Ebola. In Guinea and. In Guinea. <laughs> in Guinea. He just doesn't, he is not comfortable around those words. And. Um, what words? Words? Any words. What's Nambia's your no- health system is Nambia. increasing. Nambia. Nambia. He goes again, Nambia. Self-sufficient. 
For those of you listening in Mississippi, uh, what he means to say Rude. is Namibia. We, Namibia. We are not pooing on the pooing on the South anymore. No, you're you're right. You're, you're absolutely. Let's, right. Let's, you get a board. I, I take that back, Mississippi. I'm going to take him. I'm going to give the moratorium on on Southern. Look, look, Doug Jones just bought a lot of love. Yeah, agreed. What do you have for number six? Number six um, was. Right after he was elected president, there were a few clips of Donald Trump continually trying to hold Melania's hand and just getting completely swatted away until obviously the press folks had to talk to her about, you know, not showing outright disdain for her husband in in, uh, public. It was really amazing. There were two or three of these clips where he would just like try to hold her hand or touch her or show some kind of... uh, you know, attention to her, and she would just smack smack it. his hand away. Well, showing outward love is not part of the contract. No, it is not. In their marriage, apparently. Uh, my number the deal si- she made with the uh, witch to make her uh, <laughs> take human form from when she was previously a cat. Exactly. Uh, my number six started in 2016, but carried over into 2017. I'll you allow might remember it. when uh, Mike Piss went to go see Hamilton, the crowd booed. So Donald Trump then took to Twitter to pick a fight with a musical, a Broadway they, musical. They didn't just boo him. The people, uh, the actors in Hamilton read a statement yeah. yes. to Mike Pence. It was very respectful in saying, please, you've run on some divisive stuff. We're asking you to come together. Yeah. yeah. It, it was not anything. Yeah. He took to Twitter to say the theater must always be a safe and special place. <laughs> the theater must always be a safe and special place. That alone is hilarious. The cast of Hamilton was very rude last night to a very good man, Mike Piss. Apologize. Apologize. Who? To, to, to who? And theater. Who, who would he like? I would like this particular fictional character. <laughs> He wants Lin-Manuel Miranda to write a rap battle where they apologize to uh, to uh, Mike Pence. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, as a failed actor, the theater is neither a special or a safe place. Right, yeah, exactly. All right, we're uh, we're, down, we're down to the top five. We don't have a ton of time left, Jonathan, so what do you have for number five? So I'm going to stick with Mike Pence here. Uh, remember, he, a few months back during this whole uh, NFL kneeling controversy uh, staged an elaborate walkout and you could you could tell that this was something Mike Pence was very proud of that he was going to be the guy to get all the credit for standing up and you know for the uh, the anthem and for America he and mother and mother he he and mother went to the game and turned right around Um, Donald Trump of course could not let him have that uh, (laughs) that spotlight for a second and within what was it, an hour or so, uh, uh, Yeah, at, at the most, tweeted out, this was my idea. Yeah. I told him to do it, guys. I did it. <laughs> Give this me was, the credit. Love this me, is love a pre-planned me, joke that me, I love came me, up love with. Love me, love me, love <laughs> me. By the way, uh, San Francisco 49ers player Eric Reed, who, along with Colin Kaepernick, was one of the, the first NFL players to kneel, dating back, what, a season or two yeah. ago yeah, yeah, at this yeah. point? Yeah. Eric Reed's still very outspoken on the anthem protests. Going out after this, saying this he, this was clearly a PR stunt. Does anybody know the last time he's been to a football game? Okay. With that being said, he tweeted out a three-year-old photo of him at a Colts game. So it's true. With it's the information true. that I have, he, he, the last time he's been to a Colts game was three years ago. He tweeted out. So this looks like a PR stunt to me. Of course, it was a PR stunt. Yeah, he tweeted out an old photo. His boss said it was a PR stunt. Yeah. My number five is just a general statement that we have a president of the United States that cannot spell words. <laughs> we, like He has gone on Twitter multiple times and misspelled things. He, can, he doesn't know how to spell the word heal when he's trying to spell H-E-A-L, the country must heal. He spells it H-E-E-L. 
He he like just constantly misspells things. Diversity <laughs> and diversity. There you go. I, I will sound s- it out. I will say, Peter, you have spent many years reading things I write. I, I share uh, I share a similar affliction that the president has. To be fair, you've gotten better. Well, spell checks have gotten better. Hooked, hooked on phonics worked you've, for Jonathan. You've done the George W. Bush rehabilitation program when it comes to spelling. Yeah. You can now say big words. Yeah. Uh, number four, Jonathan, what do you have? Uh, it was, again, early on uh, when it was his first public meeting with uh, Angela Merkel in the uh, White House where they sat for a photo op and she asked to shake his hand and he, instead of shaking her hand, looked off in multiple different directions and seemed befuddled oh, by the situation. God. Oh, God. And God. then, of course, later uh, has complained late into the night that he and Merkel are great friends. And that wasn't real. What you saw, who are you going to believe? Me or your lying eyes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, my number four is also just a brief, brief period in the Trump administration where we were blessed. We were given the gift of the mooch. Oh. Anthony Scaramucci. Pour a little out. Who came in and stabbed Reince Priebus in the back, mm-hmm. got him out of the White House, and ascended to White House press secretary for a period of what? A week and a Ten half? Ten days. The mooch. And Reince is paranoid schizophrenic paranoiac and what he's gonna do is oh maybe bill shine's coming or something. let me leak thing and see if i can block these people the way i block scaramucci for six months wow neither person on that phone call has a job anymore yeah good point that was with ryan lizzo, yeah, with this, ryan lizzo. this was the better clip though i'm not i'm not steve bannon no. i'm not trying to suck my own <laughs> i'm not trying to build my own brand off and shrink the president Wow, Steve Bannon really is talented. Steve uh, Bannon, also without a job also now. Also without a job now. Uh, number three on your list, Jonathan. Inauguration crowd size. Oh, I mean, that's my number three, too. Oh, How did that happen? We both got almost that. almost like I sent you my list last night. Well, this was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period, both in person and around the globe. Yeah, this is also my clip. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, such a petty, petty, petty it, lie. It's the pettiest of lies. And it really set the tone for the entire presidency yeah. and the level of pettiness of it. I also re- loved when uh, Trump, defending this on, I think it was ABC, showed a photograph, because he has lots of pictures of the inauguration. More pictures, re- the better. And referred to it as a sea of love. A sea of love. By the way, the next day, Spicer. I believe that we have to be honest with the American people. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we can disagree with the facts. Yeah. This disagree is, with the facts. This that's, is all- that's what started it, by the way. Yeah. And this is also what led us to... Uh, to Kellyanne Conway's alternative facts. famous alternative facts yeah. statement. Alternative was, facts. This was this was just an alternative fact. Number two on your list. We both have so we both have crowd size yes. at number three. Number two on your list. Um that was number two on my list. Sorry. Oh, okay. I think we've jumped ahead here. All right. Well, I my number two is when they had the G seven in Sicily, all of the world leaders took a brief stroll took like 10 minutes to go down the road for a photo op and Donald Trump didn't go with them in fact he was late and made everybody wait for him because he had to wait for a golf cart unbelievable he had to wait for a golf cart because he wouldn't walk the 10 minutes to go and pose for a photo with the other world leaders that's just perfect so my uh, my number two, uh, you were right. I was uh, I got a little off in my counting it's here. Right. It's look writing, reading, arithmetic. It's yeah. all difficult yeah. for me. Um, mine is also uh, is also vehicularly related. It was Trump 
fired Rents, uh, Reince Priebus from Air Force One. Yeah. And Reince was in an SUV having just got off yeah. Air Force One and had to sit there while the press was around oh. and sort of learn about this while he was in a car on a tarmac. I almost feel bad for him. Yeah. When Trump called him a good man, which he does with every single person that he fires. That he fires, That is the Fredo kiss of death. All right. So now that brings us to number one, the number one favorite funnier Trump scandal of uh, 2017. Jonathan, yours is? So this may not seem on its face. This may seem like one of the more serious ones. But it it to me is just absolutely hilarious. So Donald Trump, as we all know, goes and fires Jim Comey. Sure. And his is then shocked by people being upset by this. So his reaction, yeah. his reaction is to, or his response is to go on to NBC, sit down with Lester Holt, not a lightweight, not Sean Hannity, and say, yeah, I fired Comey, but I was thinking about the Russia investigation while I did it. I actually asked him, yes. I said, if it's possible, would you let me know? <laughs> Am I under investigation? He said, you are not under investigation. I mean, case closed. This is like a kid coming home from class and saying, denying that he was put in detention. Yeah. Saying, telling his parents, I walked up to the teacher and I said, am I going to be in detention today? (laughs) And the teacher said, no, you are not. Yeah. Yeah, Beyond that, though, it's actually him walking up to the teacher yeah. And saying, look, I know you think I plagiarized, yeah. but I want to let you know I didn't plagiarize. I did cut and paste some right, things right, 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 right. from the right. internet, <laughs> but it's not plagiarism. You can keep that on the record. That is a solid, solid number one. My number one is for It involves one of my favorite stories from 2017, just across the board. It has to do with the summer of 2017 when we experienced. The eclipse. Oh. And we had the eclipse. And everybody had eclipse fever. And one thing you know about the eclipse is don't look at it with your naked eye, Mm -hmm. which is exactly what this giant baby of a president did. He went out of the White House, stood on the the, uh, (laughs) porch, and looked up at the eclipse to which someone in the crowd said, don't look. They had to yell at him to stop looking at the eclipse because he is an idiot. I definitely didn't do the same thing. Oh, did you? I can't see you. I'm right over now. here, buddy. I'm over here. You're looking in the wrong direction. I, I actually, I was in a meeting during the eclipse, but as it was taking place, I looked straight up at it. Oh, all right. Well, you and Donald Trump have uh, this at li- least that in common. This list has taught me Donald and I are a lot more similar than I ever thought. Not great spellers. No, both like to Can't stare at the eclipse anymore. Melania won't hold my hand anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is our uh, our top ten list. Each of us had our own top ten list. We'll talk about Sabrina Siddiqui's favorite moment from the Trump uh, administration, the first year. Her favorite. Funny scandal. Ray and I have some, too. And you guys have some, too. I want to hear yours when we come back here on the Bill Press Show. Peter Ogburn and Jonathan Levy sitting in for Bill Press. Very quick break. We'll be right back. 1600 Pennsylvania. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. 
youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hello, friends and lovers. Welcome to The Bill Press Show. It's Friday, December 15th. My name is Peter Ogburn. I'm sitting in for Bill Press today, along with Jonathan Levy, who's been in for the entire show. We are now welcomed. We now welcome. We now join. We are now joined by... This is a solid intro, Peter. I'm I make sorry. a lot of guys trip over their words. Don't worry. Yeah. Hey. Political reporter for The Guardian, Sabrina Siddiqui. Hello, Sabrina. How are Hi. you? Good. Sabrina are often you? sits in this chair. I do. Um, You're sitting in my chair. But uh, I'm just keeping it warm for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can have it soon. Yeah. Just not today. You can follow her on Twitter at Sabrina Siddiqui. At Siddiqui with two Ds. Yes. Uh, go follow her there and read her good work at theguardian.com. Her wonderful work. Thank wonderful, you. Wonderful, wonderful work. We're not going to spend too much more time on this, but... Uh, on praising Sabrina? Yeah. No, go on. No, on the... Uh, I, I thought you were going to... I came here. We're going to cut this praise short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had enough. You, yeah. We frankly... Let's do enough. that. Uh, okay, Jesse. Ooh. Ooh. Well, I'm not happy with you. Oh, who's, yeah. Who's, why? Sure why? What's wrong? That's, that's all right. What What's wrong? Why, why are you not happy? No, oh. That's okay. What's that's, the matter? That's fine. Oh. Uh-oh. Wait, well, what have I done? Jesse is Twink. Jamie? She frequently mispronounces his name as Jesse. Well, Jamie is a very exotic and hard to say name. Yeah. yeah. So look at Jamie. He, no, nothing like Sabrina. No. Okay. We got Petty Pendergrass. We'll be friends in there again, today. I suppose. My goodness. All right. So John and I just did our top ten favorite funny scandals from Trump. Silly scandals. Silly scandals from 2017 because not, Donald not Trump soul crushing stuff. Donald Trump has done some yeah. soul crushing stuff in 2017, and some of it. I mean, he is just, like, I just have to laugh at how goofy this president is. Do you have a moment from 2017 that you would like to point to, Sabrina? Well, this is the thing. Like you said, they're all ultimately in the pursuit of horrible stuff. Yes, you're not wrong. But at the same time, I feel like that Kellyanne Conway interview where she just made up the Bowling Green Massacre. (gasps) Oh! The and Bowling then, Green Massacre. Then, Never forget. I forgot about like, the Bowling Green what? Massacre. Massacre. And then and then there was just like all kinds of um jokes on Twitter about what she possibly could have been referring yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um which is still, like I said, in the pursuit of defending a travel ban. So like horrible like subtext. Sure. But it, it's still she just made up. That's a, a good one. Attack. I totally that, forgot about I completely about forgot about it. How amazing is that, though, that we live in a world where Peter and I pay a huge amount of attention, uh, of attention to the news, and we both forgot a senior advisor to the president making up a mass A massive American soil. In order to- Did you guys, I mean, I know you went through some of Spicy's best hits. We talked but, about Spicy. But did you talk about when he was trying to argue that even Hitler- wasn't so bad. Oh, right. Like, what, did even he, what did he Hitler, call gas chambers? Gas, <laughs> oh, even God. Hitler didn't gas his own people because he was trying to yeah. make the distinction between Hitler and Assad, which is why are you even making this distinction? But also, yes, actually. Well, because we've aligned ourselves with Putin, yes. who is propping up Assad. Right. But it was like one of the... Even Hitler didn't do X. For, if you have to start as any sentence with even Hitler didn't do, stop. Yeah. Like there's no, no, no. there's no April, even Hitler. April eleventh, two thousand seventeen. <laughs> quote: You have someone who is as dis- who is despicable as Hitler, who didn't even sink to using chemical weapons. Mm, he yeah. was not using gas on his people the same way that yeah. Assad is doing. Yeah, he oh, brought well. them into 
He brought set. them into the Holocaust centers. Holocaust centers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, they were, uh, you know, they learned about the Holocaust. They were like little, they were, they were little retreats that they yeah. went to. God, I, I mean, gosh, it's a never-ending clown show. A lot show. of it is, a lot of it is, for me, what comes out of his advisors or his spokespeople. Because at the end of the day, like Trump, we. We knew everything about Trump during the course of the campaign. Some of these characters you saw in the campaign, but not in the same way that you have seen them throughout the course of the past year. And so these yes men and women and the dumbfounding, the dumbfounding ways in which they have like just chosen to defend him and his and his agenda or tried to defend what comes out of his mouth. I mean, that really has shown like who they are, but also how little intelligence there yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I, I'm pulling this sentence. I mean, sentence. gosh, the mooch was like one week in and out. I'm pulling this sentence from Can't PolitiFact. Can't even remember. I almost forgot the mooch was there. I, yeah. I went to PolitiFact <laughs> to find that Holocaust Center's uh, 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 quote. Here's a sentence that an actual reporter had to write in 2017. Quote, we believe Holocaust Centers refers to concentration camps. <laughs> uh, so, Sabrina, I think so. Sabrina, you are a, a straight-down-the-line reporter. Like you are, you have sort of. you have written opinion. You give, yeah. but, but you are, you write report straightforward I report, reporting. I report hard news. Yes. How when you report on a never-ending uh, dumpster fire, do you not just smash your computer? <laughs> That's a good question. I've been tempted many times. <laughs> well, look honestly, though, I think you have to keep it real, and you can't just. There's the one-to-one of journalism: the who, what, when, why, where. But in doing that, you have to add the appropriate context. And it's remarkable to be writing sentences like the one Peter just read, where you are now relitigating whether or not Hitler gassed his own people. Yeah. But but you have to be that as, check. You did. have to be yes, and you have to be as explicit as you can in even in, in the aftermath of Charlottesville. I think so many of us were like, no, we're not being subjective, we're being objective in being as clear about what has just happened, that the president has equated neo-Nazis and white supremacists to counter-protesters on the left who were there to essentially speak out against racism. Right. Um, now, like, it, it, the, the, I think that that's the kind of um, way that I operate, where I'm not going to mince my words, and that's sure. still no. being a journalist, so because we're supposed to be telling the truth, and if we kind of try to sugarcoat it, then we're not doing our jobs. One thing that... Uh, that uh, I want to do here is we went through all of our favorite scandals. Jamie and Ray both have um, finally. Oh, Jesus. Oh, wow. Wow. Look at this. Jesse in there is just oh, getting look at uppity. You. Look at how look at how angry he is today. Oh, What's going so on? I thought you loved Christmas. Right. I Let's thought you loved. We'll get to it. It's okay. You're so adorable is, when you pound. Um, <laughs> mine is a Trump crony. Not directly related to the administration because he never got a job, even though he thought he was going to because he used to carry around McDonald's for the president. Chris Christie. <laughs> yes. Uh, still governor of New Jersey for a couple more months, right? Yeah, right. Which I keep more forgetting. A yeah. couple more weeks. Uh, if you remember back in July, the New Jersey government shut down because they couldn't agree on a budget. And Chris Christie... Uh, decided that he was going to spend that day where the government was not open and public uh, public beaches were not open, that he'd go ahead and have that beach to himself. Well, yeah, that's and right. And here's oh, Chris Christie's defense of it uh, a day later. Now, if they had flown that plane over that beach and I was sitting next to a 25-year-old blonde in that beach chair next to me, that's a story. 
I wasn't sitting next to a 25 year old blonde. I was sitting next to my wife of 31 years. <laughs> Still one of the it's greatest fine. pictures of it's the year fine. as well, it's because good, yeah. so. Uh, this is why I journalism we, is great. This is why, I'm back on Sabrina's just, side. This is why journalism totally, is great. Totally. Because someone took the time to take an overhead <laughs> shot of Chris Christie. That's amazing. As big as ever, sitting on the beach with his wife I and kids. I love how he throws his wife under the bus. Yeah. Just shameless. I wasn't with a hooker. I was with my wife <laughs> yeah. when I was disrespecting uh, the public. No, I, I wasn't there with a 25-year-old hot blonde. God damn it, Karen! So, I was there with my wife of 30 years! So I, I do a lot of political work in New Jersey, and uh, I'm I'm not gonna lie that photograph made it into one or two pieces of political communication oh, that we did. You don't you, say. Yeah. No, we uh, we we did a lot of photoshopping different uh, corrupt politicians sitting next to Chris Christie on the beach. Very smart. Yeah. One very, thing. Very smart. One thing to add that Ray has just brought up with me is that. Back in February, this does directly involve Donald Trump. I'm trying to see if I have the clip of it as well. Chris Christie going out on uh, New York Sports Radio because that, <laughs> that's oh, what he was man. doing instead yeah. of being governor as he was uh, filling in on, um, was it WFAN in New York? Yeah, WFAN. Totally fine. Yeah, doing his So he tells about how he went to uh, lunch at the White House with, with Donald Trump, he and his wife, Mary Pat. And he said uh, when it's what it's like to be with Trump, uh, Trump told Chris Christie what he was going to have for lunch. He told Chris Christie, you have to order the meatloaf. This is a direct quote from Chris Christie. That's what it's like to be with Trump. Here's the, there's the menu. You guys order whatever you want. And then he says, Chris, you and I are going to have the meatloaf. Ugh. Ugh. Well, if there's one thing we know about Donald Trump, it's he's got exquisite taste in food. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, I, I think we've we look. You you have to laugh at the crazy things that are happening in the Trump administration. Some of them that are less harmful than others, right? Yes. There are a lot of things that are not funny about what Trump is doing, but some of them, I'm sorry, they're funny. Yeah. Um, on another note, Sabrina, something that you've been writing about that I think it's important that we talk about here as we as we run out the the, the show today, um, the. Numerous uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment oh. allegations Speaking that are happening. Of Trump. Yeah, good that are, segue. That are that are happening in politics. It's the first good today. one of the day. Yeah. What? <laughs> um, but like, we've seen John Conyers leave. We've seen Al Franken leave or, or say he's going to leave. Um, we've seen Trent Franks uh, have to leave for hands, asking. Hands down, the most insane one we've seen. It's insane. It's insane. For asking his staff if they would offering five million dollars to an million dollars to carry his baby and to not carry his child through IVF either. Right, 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 right. This 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 was a very specific type of surrogacy. So the the most recent uh, uh, story is is uh, Blake Farenthold from Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, He settled. A situation yes, he, many, many years to ago. To the tune of $84,000. $84,000. In 2014, uh, that was his former communications director, and she had alleged sexual harassment, and he, that he created a hostile work environment, and that she was fired when she complained. And so she had actually sued him in the Federal District Court of Columbia, and then she... Um, eventually dropped that case because they had reached a private settlement. And this was one of those secret settlements that has now been brought to light in the last um, couple of months, uh, where essentially it's taxpayer money uh, coming Mm -hmm. out of the U.S. Treasury. And it all happens in 
secret. These women are bound to the confidentiality agreements, mostly women. Um, and they're forced to seek counseling and and mediation. And they're they, also forced to work there. And they're while, forced yeah. to still work there while it's investigated. Um, we saw that even with uh, Conyers, John Conyers and his settlement, that they basically had rehired a woman um, and pay, and paid her as a temporary employee under what looked like routine payroll so that it wouldn't be clear that they're paying out a settlement. So obviously there's a tremendous uh, failure of the process here. But with Farron told, so John Conyers resigned, Al Franken resigned, Trent Fanks resigned. Big Farron hold will not seek re-election, therefore he will see out the rest of his term. Actually, the late, his, that decision came after another damning report in CNN where a f- former male staffer complained that he was verbally so verbally abusive and so obscene that this staffer sought psychological treatment. Yeah, I, I read some of those uh, those things that he alleges were said to him, and uh, we, we can't report, we can't repeat well, them. Yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't, can't even say, say it. It's all so profane. I can't even say it. Um, but this is the extent of the environment that he created. And it, Paul Ryan, frankly, um, was asked yesterday whether or not he should just resign immediately, and he wouldn't say. And he said he's doing the right thing by retiring. But that means he sticks around for another year. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to be so craven about it. Can, can I play a clip of just, I, I was just looking for the clip of Susan Collins yeah. uh, on a hot mic calling Blake Fahrenheit so unattractive. Mm. I couldn't find it, but I actually found this instead. This was back from July 24th of this year uh, on Texas radio talking about the health care bill and Susan Collins' vote. This is the type of guy that Blake Fahrenheit is. Right. Some of the people that are opposed to this, there are some female senators from the Northeast. If it was a guy from South Texas, I might ask him to step outside and settle this Aaron Burr style. <laughs> okay, I've seen Blake Fahrenheit. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not so sure that he wants to settle anything of, of physical nature. And if that gun was on the ground and he had to pick it up, I don't think he'd reach the ground. Yeah, right. Yeah, Let's just exactly. be clear. This this tough-talking man is most famous for a photograph of him wearing ducky pajamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, what I was saying is I, I don't want to be so craven as to make this all about winning political points, right? But I think that there is something to be said and something that we have to notice that John Conyers, this story um, sort of percolated and became a thing. Democrats forced him out. Mm-hmm. Al Franken, seven women came forward and accused him of either sexual assault or sexual harassment. Democrats came forward and said, he's got to go. And while it's admirable that Trent Franks left and Paul Ryan apparently had some say in that. Well, Trent Franks, there there is no hold, like the level of crazy that was. No, no, no. It's totally it's, insane. It's totally insane. But like, look, it's admirable that Paul Ryan did the right thing and said, you got you to leave. But- to enable a guy like Blake Farrell to, 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 to still stick right. around mm-hmm. is, I mean, the optics of that, as they say, are not very There's good. There's also someone else uh, in a high power uh, pre- uh, Republican uh, oh, position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, uh, What's the name? How do you it's, say uh, it? It's something. Trump? Yeah, 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 Trump, Trump yeah, exactly. Something like that. <laughs> exactly. No, look, the, the, <laughs> whether you agree or disagree with Frank and Conyers stepping down, uh, and the reason I think they had to go, and I feel very strongly about this, was had nothing to do with po- politics. It has to do with actual morality. Yeah. There yeah. is there has been a shift yeah. since they have gone in how this conversation has gone. There's been increased pressure on Trump. There's been more discussion and there is actually 
a shift in the way people are looking at how the two parties deal with it. And it's an important one. Um, I, I would love I, I love scoring political points. I'd love more if the Republicans got their house in order and cleared out these monsters. I, it's kind of disgusting because in that Paul Ryan resignation article yesterday from Politico, I'm sorry for cutting you off, by the way. I know it's not, not good in this, in, in this setting, but well, Paul Ryan saying about Trent Franks having to go to Trent Franks and saying, you need to resign. Yeah. I didn't realize slitting throats was part of my job. That's, oh, that's a quote from Paul Ryan in this piece, basically saying that part of the reason he has to resign is because he has to tell these disgusting men that they have to step down. Wow. I, I honestly also, it, and that's that's the part of the issue here too, is you know to to what extent is Paul Ryan going to set a zero tolerance policy, um, and what is the criteria going to be, uh, the threshold going to be? And I think that with Democrats, they clearly decided that any form of harassment is grounds for resignation. Yep. Um, people can agree or disagree with that uh, because I, there are certainly many different types of cases that we are dealing with. But the fact that matters were in this watershed moment talking about sexual harassment and Democrats certainly have always been very clear that we believe the women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's actually where I think they want to make sure that they can reclaim that moral high ground. And you saw that with Conyers and Franken. Now, with 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 Republicans, they have struggled repeatedly with this very same question yeah. where not only have they already had a longstanding problem when it comes to women, um, but they fine, you know, Trent Franks was forced out, but they've enabled Blake Franthold to at least see mm-hmm. out the rest of his term. And Roy Moore is someone that they were still supporting in the many RNC ways. The RNC was giving money the to RNC him. The RNC was giving money to him. Some of the people who had previously rescinded their endorsements were suddenly shifted to saying, including mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell, well, it's up to the people of Alabama. They couldn't. They didn't criticize Trump for supporting him. And then, of course, they are often asked, well, what about Trump's accusers? And they just deflect and dodge. I, I don't. I don't want to put you in a position where you have to sort of make a, a, a prediction. Or I do. Or, <laughs> but let me ask you this: Considering how much we have changed as a country in terms of having this conversation over the past hell three months, but mm-hmm. let's just say a year, um, would Donald Trump get elected today if he had this same scandal on his hands? I think it's still possible. I do too. Because mm-hmm. the, because presidential elections More because of how he handled it. Well, well, sure. I think that, you know, but also presidential elections obviously are there's so much more that is factoring into how people are voting and um I think party identification is still such the predominant motivator for people and you look at the fact that 90% of Republicans went home to Trump at the end of the day. And in a special election in December in Alabama, there's a dis- there's there's a and someone Absolutely. who's an accused child molester. So yeah. like somehow we're getting worse than, in so far as the types of assault, and it's you don't even want to have to parse them. But an accused child molester, um, you know, I think that that's that's something where you can see how, and also just smart campaign strategy on Doug Jones's part, you can see how he was able to pull off what is now deemed an upset. But I think in a presidential, and the way that Hillary Clinton was also portrayed and and treated um and the kind of internal misogyny that a lot of people mm-hmm. still live with even women yeah. um i mean you saw the white and women, also yeah. give, if actually the, the bigger point also if you looked at the numbers in alabama you still had white women um the majority of white women overwhelming over yes, turn out for roy moore yeah. and and that's exactly what happened with trump yeah um so i think that the you know in a race in an election that was primarily about uh, about um race and nationalism i don't 
I still don't think that it would have been disqualifying. So, so I, I don't think you're necessarily wrong. Um, and you can't look at these things in a vacuum. Yeah, there sure. Is, yeah. There sure. is no ability to say do it back in time, but one small thing's altered. But I do think there is a difference, yeah. and I think there has been an awakening, not just of stories and not just of women finally feeling that they have to come forward or they can come forward. I think there has also been a realization among men that the women that they need to listen a little bit more yeah. some men that they need to listen and hear women more and there is uh, th- uh you were absolutely right 90 uh, i think it was like 92% of republicans came home and voted for trump even though they didn't like him and which is something that normally happens with with elections people go to their corners eventually there is huge polarization in this country but right now trump and this is what i mean about a vacuum trump has created so much upheaval mm-hmm. that he is disrupting the sort of tribal instincts of mm-hmm. some people. Right. And I think the Me Too movement is part of that oh, disruption. Yes. But I think so, like, obviously, in the hypothetical, no one would have known what upheaval he would truly bring in, like, that's why I think he still would have been elected because we're also operating in a place where he's paved the way for potentially, actually, a little bit less tribalism because he's created such disarray. Absolutely. But, you know, prior to him being elected, it, I think people will still be very much within their tribes. But I also think one thing that may have made a difference is the media, I think, would have covered it very differently mm-hmm. because there, you see what has happened in the way that these um, yeah. stories have been reported out. And there would have been point. a lot more attention given to Trump's accusers if this were happening in the midst of this movement where every new accuser would have been a massive story yeah. uh, as opposed to there were a few outlets who were interviewing a lot of these accusers, but they weren't being given a lot of time and attention and they were being held up as equally egregious as controversies that Hillary Clinton was allegedly part of. I don't think that would have happened. And, and as part of that, I think the news coverage has just gotten better. I don't think that it was handled very well during the election and no. how this went down. And even some people who reported on it had to come out and say, like, we, we sort of screwed this up. Hey, that's it for today's show. If you missed any of it, make sure you get the podcast. Just look for The Bill Press Show and iTunes or anywhere else this you get your podcast. This is See The you later. Bill Press Show.